Well, more than 20 years ago, uh, back when I was in driver's ed, I remember learning the rather unsurprising statistic uh, that young drivers, uh, those in their first few years of driving, uh, young drivers uh, are more likely uh, to get into car crashes uh, than anyone else. When you, you think about it, it's, uh, it's not that surprising, right? Uh, you're brand new, you're inexperienced, you're still learning how things go. Uh, but it wasn't until I was in driver's ed uh, that I learned just how significant those statistics are. You see, 3.6% uh, of drivers, 3.6% uh, of drivers are ages uh, 16 to 19 years old. 3.6%. And yet those 3.6% of drivers are responsible for some 9.3% of car crashes. 36 9.3. You know, it's a, it's a rather remarkable statistic, and I actually remember it being a topic of conversation around my, uh, my family's dinner table. You know, one of those nights where your, your parents look at you and says, you know, tell me something that you learned in school today. And I remember looking back at my parents and, and, and telling them this statistic, and then, uh, and then laughing, and you know, it never, uh, it never crossed my mind that night uh, that one day I'd become one of those statistics. So I've been driving for, uh, for six months, maybe, maybe a year, and all things considered, I got pretty lucky. Uh, no one got hurt, no one died, uh, the airbags didn't deploy, but I did total my parents' car. You know, it's, uh, it's been 20 years uh, since that happened, and uh, I still have a hard time saying those words out loud. I totaled my parents' car. You know, I've given a lot of thought over the years to, uh, to why exactly I have uh, such a hard time saying something like that. And, and the more I think about it, the more I realize that uh, the reason why is I don't think about myself as the kind of person who messes up. You know, like most people, I don't see myself as, as the kind of person who messes up like that. I mean, I totaled my parents' car. I mean, I remember calling them on the phone and telling them about it. You know, as, uh, as hard as it is uh, to say those words out loud today, it was, uh, it was about a million times harder uh, 20 years ago. And, and I'd imagine that, uh, that most of us know what that's like. Most of us know what it's like to admit uh, that we've messed up, uh, that we've done something wrong. There's something in our life that we are just not proud of. Yeah, I don't know what, uh, what that thing is for you, uh, but I imagine there's something like that for all of us. And, and as we begin today, I, I want you to think about that thing, and I want you to hold it in your mind. Because it's, uh, it's in a situation not so different from this uh, that we find the Apostle Peter uh, in today's reading. Uh, before we uh, dig into that reading, I just want to remind you uh, where we are and what we're doing uh, this Easter season. You see, we're, we're looking at all the stories that take place between Jesus' resurrection on Easter morning and Jesus' ascension some 40 days after that. If you've been here the past few weeks, then you remember that the, the first three of those stories, uh, they take place on Easter Sunday. They start very early in the morning when, when those two women, and then a little bit later, those two disciples, Peter and John, go to the tomb. 
And then the stories continue on into the afternoon as, as Jesus shows up uh, to two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they continue all the way into the evening when we find the disciples behind locked doors because they're afraid. That's when Jesus shows up. He, he appears to them, uh, and he appears to all of them except Thomas, which is why a week later he shows up once again to assure that disciple that he really is risen. You see, all these stories, they have one thing in common. They all take place on Easter Sunday or a week after that, and they all take place in the city of Jerusalem, uh, which is what makes the story that we heard last week so different. And if you were here uh, last Sunday, you heard Pastor Mike uh, tell us a little bit about this, because now the disciples have, have left Jerusalem, and they followed Jesus' instruction to go to Galilee, because that's where they're going to see Jesus. And so they travel 90 miles north. They return to this place that they once called home. And, and I'm not going to rehash all that story, but I will remind you uh, that this is the place where these men, these fishermen, first met Jesus. And there's a little bit of irony in this story because, uh, because what Jesus does, it's, it's happened before. You see, they've been out all night. They haven't caught any fish. And that's when this guy, and we know he's Jesus, but the disciples don't know this. That's when this guy tells them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. And, and when they do, they catch all sorts of fish. And they realize it's Jesus. And, and they begin to head ashore. And, and that's when we meet them as they eat breakfast. And so all of this uh, brings us uh, to the reading that you just heard. And, and in one sense, it, uh, it seems like part two of last week's story. Uh, but in another sense, it's about something much more specific. You see, today's reading, uh, as, uh, as uh, Seminarian Peyton told us, uh, today's reading is about three questions that Jesus asked Peter. Or if you're, uh, if you're listening to those questions, it sounds like, one question that Jesus asks Peter three times. Do you love me? You heard it uh, just a moment ago, and each time Jesus asks that question, uh, Peter responds in almost the exact same way. Uh, Lord, you know I love you, to which Jesus responds, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Yeah, and that's when the, their conversation comes to a close, and, and when you listen to it, you get the sense uh, that this passage, uh, John chapter 21, uh, what it's all about uh, is that uh, loving Jesus means loving other people and taking care of them and feeding them with God's grace and God's love, God's word and God's truth. And if your sense is that what uh, this chapter is all about, uh, you would be correct uh, but you'd only be partially correct, because there's, a, there's something more in this story going on. Uh, actually, there's, a, there's a, a couple of other things uh, going on, and I'm convinced that those things, they have the power to impact the way that we relate to Jesus, especially in those moments uh, when we've messed up, when we've done something wrong, when there's something in our life uh, that we aren't proud of. And the first of those things uh, has to do uh, with the word uh, that Jesus uses for love. It has to do with uh, the Greek word for love. And, uh, and what many of you probably already know uh, is that the, uh, the Greek New Testament, the Greek language, has four words for love. 
The English language has one word for love. The Greek New Testament has four words uh, for love. And, and their meanings, they often overlap. And so sometimes it's a, a little bit ambiguous. Uh, but in the context of today's reading, I don't think it's unfair uh, to make a few generalizations uh, because it really does impact what this passage is saying to us. And so uh, those four words, the first of them is storge. And uh, maybe you've heard this before. Storge is the, the love that a parent has for a child. It's, it's family love. It's, uh, it's that kind of love. So first you've got storge, and then you've got eros. And, uh, and if I had to describe eros or define eros, I'd probably define it as something like, ooh la la. See, eros is uh, it's about attraction. Uh, and it's, it's the word that gives us uh, the English word erotic. So you got storge, you got eros, and then you got this word phileo. And phileo is uh, it's about affection. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's about the fondness that, uh, that maybe two friends or, or two siblings have for one another. And you know that fondness can look like a bunch of different things. And uh, it gives us uh, the English word Philadelphia. Uh, the city of brotherly love. So you got storge, you got eros, you got phileo, and finally you got agape. And, and most of us know uh, or have heard what the word agape means before. You see, agape uh, it refers to, uh, to sacrificial, unconditional love. It's the kind of love that doesn't care about what it gets in return. It's the kind of love that gives without regard. It's the kind of love that Jesus shows us. So you got these, uh, these four words for love, storge, eros, phileo, and agape, uh, four Greek words that all landed in the English language as one English word, love. And so that is, uh, that's the lesson. But what does it mean for the reading you just heard? We see uh, Jesus and Peter are, are talking, and it's the first conversation uh, that they have. At least it's the first conversation that we hear that they have since the crucifixion. And, uh, and if you've been tracking uh, with this story, or if you're the kind of guy who looks up all the time that Peter says words in John's gospel, uh, what you discover is that the last thing that Peter said to Jesus is, Lord, I'll lay down my life for you. It makes me think about the, the conversation uh, that I had that night with my parents. You know, that conversation about car statistics, 3.6, 9.3. It makes me think about the way I laughed. And I asked them, can you believe it? it? makes me think about the way I never thought that one day I'd become one of those statistics. You see, when Peter says those words, Lord, I'll lay down my life for you, I think the same is true for him. I don't think he's thinking about what happens next. I don't think he's thinking about the fact that he's going to disown Jesus. I think he's thinking about the fact that he has followed Jesus, that he's, he's left everything to follow him, his family, his friends, his fishing business behind. He's, he's thinking about the fact that, that when Jesus asks a question, who do people say that I am, he's the kind of guy who knows the right answer. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. I mean, it's one of the boldest confessions of faith that you get in the Bible. And, and so they're standing there over this charcoal fire, but all of a sudden, you don't get the impression uh, that he is thinking about those things anymore. 
You see, this is when Jesus looks at him and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the word that Jesus uses here is agape. You just heard uh, what that word means. Uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me unconditionally? But when Peter responds, he does not use the word agape. He uses the word phileo. Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I'm your friend. And so Jesus, Jesus asked him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me unconditionally, agape? And Peter responds with the word phileo, Lord, you know I love you. You know uh, that I am your friend. And, you know, I think it's really easy to beat Peter up about all of this. And Peter, why won't you love Jesus the way you're supposed to? Why won't you agape Jesus? But that's not what's going on here. See, what's going on here is, uh, is Peter is finally being honest. See, Peter knows what all of us know. Peter knows that we will never love Jesus as much as he loves us through all of the mess, through all the bad decisions, through all the ways and all the things that we're just not proud of. I mean, he will love us through all of those things all the way to a cross and all the way to an empty tomb. And all the way to a charcoal fire where he stands in front of us and he invites us to be honest. Do you love me? And what I want you to notice is that the answer is yes. It's just never as much as Jesus loves us. You see, that's why uh, what happens next in this story is so significant, uh, because, because Jesus knows this. He knows that we will never love him as much as he loves us, and yet he still wants us to follow him. And so, and so in this reading, Jesus asks the question one more time, except this time it's Jesus, not Peter, who changes the word. You see, the third time Jesus asks this question, he doesn't use the word agape. He uses the word phileo, Simon, son of John, are you my friend? To which Peter looks at him and says, Lord, you know everything. You know I'm your friend. And you can also hear behind these words that Peter's saying, and what I also know is that on this side of the resurrection, I know that you will always love me more. And so Jesus looks at Peter and he says, follow me. You see, when it, uh, when it comes to our faith, uh, when it comes to our, our relationship with Jesus, uh, I'm convinced that, that one of the hardest parts uh, is often simply being honest. Because if you're anything like me, you, you probably don't think about yourself as the kind of person who messes up. At least you're probably not the kind of person who thinks about yourself as the kind of person who messes up like that. Until you get to this moment when you do. At the beginning of my sermon, beginning of our sermon, uh, I asked you to to think about a thing like that, to hold it in your mind. And uh, and I want you to come back to that thing because uh, the difficult reality that we discover in today's reading is that whatever that thing is, whatever that thing is for you, Maybe you've told someone else, 
maybe you haven't, whatever that thing is, Jesus knows it. Jesus knows it, and he knew it the night before he was crucified. He knew it when, when Peter denied him, not once, not twice, not three, but three times, and yet Jesus still goes to the cross. Jesus still dies for you. Jesus still loves you. And now on this side of Easter, the tomb is empty. Now, now you're standing in front of this charcoal fire, and now he's simply inviting you to be honest and to hear his words of grace and love and forgiveness. Do you love me? Follow me. Now, a little earlier, I, uh, I alluded to the fact uh, that there are several things uh, going on in this passage uh, that speak to us in moments like this. You know, one of those things has to do with uh, the words for love uh, that Peter and Jesus uh, use in this passage. Uh, the other one has to do with the fact that all of this takes place around a charcoal fire. You see, uh, uh, the word for charcoal fire that gets used uh, in today's reading only happens twice in the Bible. Happens here in John chapter 21 uh, when Jesus and the disciples are eating breakfast on the beach. And the other place it happens is three chapters earlier. Happens uh, the morning of the crucifixion. Peter is standing in the high priest's courtyard when someone comes up to him. He's warming himself over a charcoal fire. And someone asks him if he knows Jesus, and, and Peter says, no, I don't. It's the first of, uh, of Peter's denials. A lot of scholars uh, see a, a correlation uh, between today's reading and that reading. Uh, that, uh, that just like Peter denies him three times around that charcoal fire, uh, Jesus comes to him and asks him if he loves him. And, uh, and that it's a way of, of Jesus forgiving him and restoring him and, and returning him to the place that he always imagined, not a place that's far off, but a place that's close, connected. You know, our stories are, are very different uh, from Peter's. Uh, first, we're not standing around a charcoal fire this morning. But, you know, this is the exact same thing that happens every time we gather. It's what happens when we confess our sins. It's what happens when we come to the table. We admit that we have messed up, that there's stuff in our lives uh, that we are not proud of. And yet, when we do that, Jesus looks at us and he says, I know and I knew. I know that you will never love me as much as I love you. And I knew. I knew all these things when I went to the cross for you. But then he looks at us and he says, I forgive you. Follow me. It's my hope and prayer that God would bless you as you do just that. As you confess your sins. As you, as you come to the table, as you admit that there is stuff in your life you're just not proud of. And as you do, may you be free. May you know that Jesus knows and Jesus knew. And now, now you're forgiven. So together, we follow him. Amen.
And I may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.